What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Ravens. Losing. A nail-biter. Yet another game that they probably shouldn't have lost? This week on Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera. Yes, the Ravens lost another football game that seemingly was in their grasp. We're going to talk about it this week on Pod Like a Raven. It's a two-man booth. No Jace Evans. Uh, happy birthday to Jace Evans, also. He is gallivanting through Florida with his family, uh, so we wish him the best this week. Uh, happy birthday and happy Thanksgiving and, and all that good stuff to his family as well. So I'm going to bring in just my, the only co-host. It's a two-man two man show today. Tim Horsey on the East Coast. Tim, how are you? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Uh, pretty terrible, you know. Life is good, but the Ravens are not. Uh, and that is kind of been really, really the worst. Uh, you know, I wanted to, I was excited. I went to the game last week. We talked about it. And on Sunday morning, it kind of hit me like, man, I have not sat at home and watched a one o'clock Ravens game in a long time. It was my favorite thing to do with the Ravens. You know, maybe have some people over, maybe not, what have you. Just just a nice, relaxing time with that Baltimore team. And they um, they just made it miserable. So let's yeah, I guess we got to dive into it. I'm annoyed. Jason. Happy birthday, Jace. But I am annoyed that you're not here uh, because, frankly, I just want you to talk about it and me to react. But now I'm going to have to shoulder this load with Antonio tonight um and yeah I guess let's let's just peel the band-aid off because my god it was bad yeah Tim wanted a comfortable Ravens football game that hasn't happened all year uh heaven forbid we get a comfortable game with a 14 point lead and this was a game that they could have had large leads at various points especially early in this game overall I thought the offense played okay uh, I thought the defense played okay, but the offense could not put the game away in the red zone repeatedly, and when each game-winning moment came up for the defense, they whiffed on the opportunity. 
The Jaguars make a couple of late plays, go for the two-point conversion. It was like the perfect ending, uh, Tim, for what we've seen the Ravens struggle with over the last year and a half. The Jaguars going for two, down one, to steal a victory as opposed to tying a game and going to overtime. There's a lot to unpack here, obviously. Let's start with the offense. The big talking point coming out of this week was their inability to close out drives, especially in the red zone. They scored on, what, three quarters of their possessions in this football game, but just unable. Once they get to the 30, the 20, what have you, the offense stalls. Uh, A Roman problem? A Lamar Jackson problem? What's going on with, with the Ravens once they get in close? Uh, I think it's a lot of things. I think everything is kind of completely disjointed. Um, I've mentioned on this podcast before that I feel like a good offense is supposed to have a rhythm. And this is very fan-speaky. I understand this is very stupid. But it should. while you're watching it, it should almost feel a little bit like jazz. Like things are, things are on time. Things are working right. It's a well-oiled machine. There is sort of a about it. And there just isn't with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, you mentioned the, the big talking point being kind of the failure to execute in the red zone. There's two drops. Mark Andrews and Demarcus Robinson each have crucial, crucial drops. Uh, not, you know, very much not a thing that we see from Mark Andrews very often. Demarcus Robinson as well in his, in his limited time in Baltimore. He's been very good. But for me, it's also more of that disjointed nature uh, with the offense that really kind of amplifies in that red area in the red zone and for me it's it's a lot of just the getting the play clock down to zero almost every single time in the first half I mean it was absolutely ridiculous they even mentioned it in the Monday presser with John Harbaugh of almost every snap in that first in that first drive as we've seen all year is getting down to zeros before they snap the ball Lamar's clearly frustrated there's so all the the get me the ball get me the ball get me the ball and Harbaugh even said uh, on the late on getting to the la- line late, excuse me, we did a lot of substituting in the first half. We were more complicated plays and formations. I don't think we got on the field as quick as we can. Even Greg Roman said, I got to p- call the play faster. You have to call the play faster? Be definitive. It, it starts there. Not being definitive in the choices that you want to make ultimately slows down the offense and ultimately ruins the rhythm. And all, all that stuff just gets amplified uh, in the red zone where – there's not as much room. Your plays have to be near perfect. And if they're not, you're gonna, it's going to cost you. And it did for, for Baltimore on, on Sunday. Yeah, I, you want to use that excuse that once the Ravens, who are a run-first offense, get closer and closer to the end zone, it's actually harder and harder for them to operate efficiently because the defense gets more compressed. They have less space to cover. There's more guys in the box. And so the run game stalls, and then the offense is not able to execute as well off of that but this specific offense and this team in the past and Lamar Jackson in the past had been dominant in the red zone that was where they worked out a couple of their trademark best plays and would punch it in consistently and then this this season maybe even you know at the end of last season halfway through last season into this season that has completely gone away and instead we're seeing complete petering out uh, of drives in the red zone. I love the issue about calling plays faster and the more complicated substitutions in the first half. You script 20 plays, 15 to 20 plays to start a football game. There is zero excuse 
for the first quarter, maybe, of offensive yeah. football for you to not be getting plays called effectively. You know what they are <laughs> three days in advance. You have to be getting out of the huddle with 10 to 15 seconds, and that's how you are able to do all the things you want to do. Your play is coming off on time, in rhythm, and that's how you get a rhythm with the whole offense, as Tim was just mentioning, um, with that zesty little little jazz little jazz beat that he threw in there for, for a couple of beats. <laughs> Lamar's performance, Tim. Choppy overall. He missed some throws, for sure. Made a lot of plays with his legs. Made a lot of guys miss. A lot of seven to eight yard gains on plays that, that looked dead. You mentioned the drops already. Uh, he made the biggest throw of the game, also, after this sort of choppy performance. Second and 20, fourth quarter, off of a, you know, a holding penalty on, on second down that made it a, a long down and distance with just a few minutes left in the game and you need a big play. How about a 62-yard pass to Deshaun Jackson? One of the best throws for him that we've seen maybe all season. Don't ask me why Deshaun Jackson fell over. Uh, it seemed to be a throw that hit him in stride, and he just yeah. kind of could, oh. fell over on that play. Um, so a, a, an up-and-down performance overall from Lamar. I, I would kind of grade him maybe a bit higher than what I've been seeing from a lot of uh, NFL pundits and, and, and journalists, but it's... Uh, we're now, what, two months of this where it's two good plays, two bad plays, a really good play, a missed opportunity, um, and this one game seemed to encapsulate his whole season at this point. Yeah, and a lot of, especially in the second half of the, like, Thanos, fine, I'll do it myself plays where he's running, you know, some scripted, some not, but, you know, some option stuff where it's like hand off to the running back or take it, and some of those plays are really good. And then it got to a point where there were some where he took it and he probably shouldn't have and he should have given it to the running back, but he almost feels a sort of pressure that he kind of has to do everything on his own. Whether that's justified or not, I don't want to do the whole weapons debate, which the, you know happens every week. It could be justified, maybe it's not. But he kind of gets into that mode a little bit, and we've talked about this throughout his career, of putting maybe too much on his shoulders. Um, I, I would grade him lower than you. I think it was a C-minus performance. I think the only really good things we saw were, you know, again, the two drops are not on him uh, on, on the touchdowns, but he misses a couple guys, including Josh Oliver in the end zone. He is statistically the second worst deep ball thrower this season behind one Zach Wilson, uh, and, and that was shown outside of the Deshaun Jackson strike, which great, good throw, but he missed a lot of deep throws as well. And it's not like they don't have burners. Jackson can still go. Demarcus Robinson can go. Devin DuVarnay can go as well. Uh, and they, they even tried some of the shots. They were open, and Lamar missed them. There, there, there is not a Greg Robin problem there that we all want to scream at, especially if you know, you're know you one of these people that thinks Lamar can do no wrong. I thought it was just another – it was another drab kind of just – again, he is the microcosm of the entire offense where it was like – some good stuff, but all the good stuff was kind of just by accident in a way. Like the runs where he rips off some good plays. It's like, oh, we made a couple guys miss, but it didn't really lead in, into anything. Um, and, yeah, overall, you know, this offense in general, I think, is incredibly disappointing. Um, and I think it, it's turned back into what we joke about, like, you know, our, our, our old Ravens, like your, your dad's Ravens, I guess, or like the Ravens you grew up on. Where I, I'm at the point where I would legitimately rather be doing anything else than watching the Ravens offense. Like, I would rather flip to 
I don't know, Qatar versus Iran in the World Cup and, and watch those two teams battle it out. Uh, and, and then just, oh, the defense is back on. Okay, I'll flip to the defensive side of the football. Which, in today's NFL, which is so offense-heavy, you shouldn't be feeling that way. And yet I am with this Ravens, with this Ravens unit because it's just a disaster through and through. This game featured the return, the second return, uh, of Gus Edwards in the backfield. He had an okay day on the ground, 16 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown, but an awful fumble at one of the most inopportune moments that it was truly deja vu from the Giants game that the Ravens played. And that was when I think a lot of Ravens fans may have gotten the sense that this game was going to be uh, a disaster late. The Ravens up 19-10. to 10. It's not a double-digit lead, but it's another two-score lead that the Ravens had in the fourth quarter. Jacksonville goes down the field, scores a touchdown. It's now 19-17. The Ravens get the ball. First play, Gus Edwards fumbles, gives the Jaguars the ball back immediately uh, in, in scoring range. A strong job, at least on that possession, by the Ravens' defense in enforcing a field goal to make it 20-19. to 19. Um, and, and I want to use that to talk about the defense now. It has been two years of when the offense is down, the defense is up. When the defense is up, the offense is down, and, and vice versa. Or nothing is ever working simultaneously for this team. It's, it's not a well-oiled machine uh, on both sides of the ball. And we saw a little bit of that, a little bit of that in this game, where when the Ravens' offense was getting field goals and not touchdowns, the Ravens' defense was doing pretty well and and keeping the Jaguars down. And then in the second half, when the Ravens finally scored some points, all of a sudden these big Jacksonville drives ended in in touchdowns. Um, Geno Stone drops one of the easiest interceptions I've seen. The ball careening off of his chest 20 yards because it hit him in the chest protector so hard yeah there's a fourth and eight uh with eight minutes left when the ravens are up 19 to 10 and they of course they can't get a stop there there's the third and 21 uh, on the jaguars last drive where the ravens play the, the softest coverage ever and immediately give up 16 yards in a play that seemingly was designed to give up 16 yards defensively as opposed to 20 yards to make it a, such an easier fourth down, a frustration I have aired on the show before. Why play so soft in these situations? Play it straight. Just play it regular. And and make them earn the 10 to 15 yards as opposed to just giving it to them. I'm frustrated that this defense folded again like a lawn chair in, in some of the most important moments. Um, but also some good stops. So again, I'm, I'm torn on just this up and down, zero consistency where would you where would you rate this defensive performance? Looking, hope you know, with a day later, with hopefully a bit more uh, of of a lowered heart rate. Let's say. I mean, absolutely a lowered heart rate, and then having you know, as I've said multiple times on this program, you know, working in the other football sphere where the World Cup is going on, it kind of gave me an entire day to not really think about this until kind of before we started recording. I was starting to do a little bit of research and what have you, and, and rewatch some stuff. Um, I, and this, it's almost like a defensive homerism thing. I don't put this game on the defense as much because this game should have been done by the time they're giving up these drives to Trevor Lawrence. And first of all, credit to Trevor Lawrence. I think that this was a, this was his, finally his coming out party type of game. Um, 
in a Jaguars uniform, in an NFL uniform. He made some incredible throws. But the, the ineptitude of the Ravens' offense in that first half is, I wouldn't say, is the entire reason the defense is folding like a lawn chair, as you mentioned, in the second half. And there's certainly a lot of blame to go on that defensive unit. But the, uh, you can't keep – you can't allow teams to just stay close and do the whole – Oh, well, you know, look at the, the Chargers game on Sunday as well. Like, you know, we can stop them again. Oh, we can stop them again. We can stop them again. Inevitably, this t- th- like inevitably, it's going to happen where the defense is going to crack, especially in today's NFL. And, that, and that's what happened. Now, that being said, completely agree with you on some of these things in terms of why give them the soft – the soft coverage to make it a much more manageable fourth down and what have you. I completely agree with that. hundred percent. Yeah. You don't want to get burned over the top. I get it. But for a unit that we thought was so special over the last two weeks, you see some holes now encouraging things. I still think they are good at getting pressure. I think that this is something that we can now safely say with confidence, this Ravens defense can get pressure which is one of our biggest questions. One of the things that wasn't a big question for us is the back end of this defense. I think Brandon Stevens had a poor game, uh, all things considered. I think Geno Stone being out there is why. I think Chuck Clark coming late, like being the coverage guy in late game situations, bad. And I think there is now a conversation to be had about Marcus Peters. God love him. You know, we talked about him losing his mind at Harbaugh and things we like to see. I love his attitude. I, I think he is still a valuable part of this locker room unit, for lack of a better term, a, a motivator, a, a leader, uh, a, a guy who brings attitude and swag. But he might he might have lost it off. He might not be your number two corner off the field, especially when – or on the field, excuse me, especially when you're having the season that Marlon Humphrey's having, playing very, very well – um, you know, at a pro bowl, all pro level, in my opinion, they're getting to the point where they can just pick on Peters. And I think that is something that, you know, Jamar Chase and T Higgins come to town and Marlon, you know, has had his struggles with Jamar Chase, but maybe he locks him down. T Higgins is going to have a field day against your aging number two corner. And I think that is a absolute area of concern uh, moving forward for this defense. Yeah. I want to give him a little bit of, benefit of the doubt that i'm not sure it's age as opposed to just when you're not 22 that first year after an acl injury is like still the catch-up period the like rehab season and then he you know you get closer to 100 percent the year after that but yeah he's looking slow he's looking less physical um he gets beat he's like it's just slower this team at the to start this game, the Brandon Stevens stuff is frustrating on that two point conversion. Mm. Playing, you know, backing up into the end zone on a on a two point conversion is the most frustrating thing you can see out of a defensive back. You just got to play play the goal line is like a high school rule for that right. type of play, and you see him immediately off the first step. He's you know one to two yards into the end zone. There shouldn't be an untouched receiver on a two-point conversion ever that should not be a thing that is ever able to happen but to start this game you know you lose obviously you talk about the the secondary not being being a thing that the Ravens wanted to address in the offseason 
They lost Kyle Fuller week one. Uh, Marcus Williams out a month in. Kyle Hamilton hurt last week, inactive for this game. So you're down three, what would be three starters, or at least three of your you know, four or five top players in the secondary. And these are the situations when you get burned with that. Fourth right. quarter, two-minute drive, two-minute drill for an offense with a quarterback that's got a cannon. And you're right. On that, dri- on that drive, to give a little bit of, take a little pressure off of the Ravens' defense, Lawrence made some throws on that drive. Again, Big time throws. Big do the, time throws. the two days later where you're a little calmer about it, you're not as emotional, not as reactive, and watch the drive. And four or five throws on that drive are just perfect. I mean, the receivers are ha- maybe half open, you know, NFL open, quote-unquote, but he sticks it on deep throws with power and accuracy um, that I don't know that there was much that the Ravens' defense could do in, in some of these situations. You see the touchdown, you want Peters, push him out of bounds. He he was pretty close. <laughs> he was half of an ankle away from having pushed him out of bounds. What is a catch, Antonio? Like, what is a catch? Because it's 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 foot, and then, they were, and then they're trying to say shin. You know, Gene Steratore, I've seen enough of Gene Steratore. We're working our way down the leg every right. time I hear this rule. And it's and the other foot clearly isn't in, but it's enough to have your, like, ankle, foot, shin of one leg, which is – I boggles my mind. I don't and, – and I want to get to this Ravens team having to overcome hurdles and stuff as we end this conversation. But on the defensive side of the ball, uh, just quickly on that, because I think you make some great points – I don't think that's a catch. And I don't think anybody in the NFL even knows what a catch is anymore. But we can leave the refs there for just a second because I want to get back to it a little bit. And I promise it's not going to be a blame the refs thing because it absolutely isn't going to be that. If we're going to go positive here, and maybe, you know, maybe because Jace isn't here, I'm kind of leading to your side a little bit. Although, trust me, I'm still miserable about this loss and, uh, and in no way optimistic about this team moving forward. I think one thing to take out of that, though, is the already the impact of Kyle Hamilton because frankly I kind of forgot that he wasn't going to be out there until we saw like obviously the game starts I'm like oh yeah Hamilton got hurt for a guy and we mentioned it last week as well for a guy that gets you know or was criticized early on and started to figure his stuff out he was he was a huge hole when you're replacing it with more Chuck Clark and more Brandon Stevens, maybe not as much help for Marcus Peters, what have you, Geno Stone getting more more of a uh, playing time too. That was all Kyle Hamilton, and th- those would be snaps that Hamilton would be taking. And, yeah, positively, hopefully he comes back, but knowing the Ravens' injury history, who the hell knows? Anytime uh, in 2024, Tim. It'll be exciting. Yeah, it'll be available. awesome. Can't wait. But, yeah, I think, I think his absence – and I think you put it perfectly in the moment. You don't know because you're just, you know, screaming and you got blood spurting out of your eyes and you just cannot, I, I was incensed this entire game and it didn't, it didn't help that, you know, I was on a couple different text threads. One being our text thread where I was just screaming into the void. Um, and frankly, actually watching the game, I was very stoic, but just boiling lava hot inside. You kind of forget those little things. The Kyle Hamilton miss again, just, you know, long story short to wrap it up, I think was, is more uh, is bigger than we think, and hopefully with the return of him and Marcus Williams as well, uh, you know, we st- start to shore up this secondary just a bit and return to the elite unit that we think this Ravens defense can be. 
when I gave my prediction for this game last week, I looked at the line. The line was four points. Uh, I had the Jags as a three and seven team because they're young, inexperienced, and they make mistakes at the worst possible moments. They were a one step forward, two steps back team. And after 10 games, this is who you are. And I picked the Ravens based off of that, that they were going to make fewer mistakes. And while Lawrence had some awesome throws on that final drive, he made some terrible mistakes in this game. He got walloped by Tyus Bowser on a sack that became a fumble that helped the Ravens score. And on that final drive, where they scored their touchdown to go up 28-27, he takes a ridiculous sack in a situation that it should never happen for a quarterback. He was outside the pocket. He'd already avoided the rush. Time to throw the ball away. And instead, he tr- kind of at a last second tries to get the ball, but it's too late. He's already getting hit. And it becomes a fumble. Fumble number two. And the ball bounces in one direction. It bounces in another direction. If it hits the turf in one way and the Ravens pick it up, we're talking about a game where the Ravens cover, first of all. They win by seven. And the story is, Wow. Lamar Jackson, he'd been struggling for large chunks of this game, but when the moment came down and they needed a big play, he connected on a 62-yard pass to Deshaun Jackson, who somehow didn't pull his hamstring after the play was over. And instead, the ball bounces another way. And that's how the NFL can be sometimes. It's painful. Uh, The game should have never gotten to this point, as, as we've already touched on. That 2019 the famous 2019 season that we always harken back to as our measuring stick for what this offense can be. The field goals were always touchdowns. The team was up 20 in the fourth quarter. There was no space for collapses because the game was already over. Backups were playing. RG3 was doing dumb stuff in situations where he didn't need to be in the fourth quarter. This is not your 2019 Ravens, unfortunately. The system is just not as fresh as it was. And you get into close games where I I think we both still believe in the defense specifically once they get some some pieces back. But painful, man. Painful to have yet another loss, which I'm going to save this section for later in the podcast, but yet another loss where it seems like they're snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. One more thing I want to go over in this game, and then I'll, I'll turn to Tim and see whatever he has other notes that he wants to cover but just because we've joked about the ending of the Bills Ravens game where the Ravens were going to should have let the Bills score and they seemed to be accomplishing that if not for Odafeowe tackling uh Singletary on the 1 yard line a situation like this kind of happened in this Ravens game I haven't seen it talked about a ton Maybe I'm wrong about the situation. I'm going to run through it, and then I'll let Tim and the listener tell me, you know, that I'm wrong here. But on the Ravens' final, or I should say penultimate drive, they get the deep pass to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, They get it into the red zone. Josh Oliver scores a touchdown just above, just before the two-minute warning. Um, on a, I believe it was a second and 11 from the 12-yard line, so there was still a first down to be had at the one-yard line. And that's what I'm going to bring up. If Josh Oliver goes down at the one-yard line rather than score, is it 
a much different situation for the Baltimore Ravens as we record on Monday. And I'm going to walk through this scenario. I understand it is difficult to know this in the moment. Then again, these teams are billion-dollar organizations, so maybe they should have somebody on staff making $60,000 whose only job is to calculate this exact math. But if Josh Oliver knows to get a first down, if possible, and then stop, and he goes down at the one-yard line because as the play went, he caught it in space, he gets hit, but he gets hit two yards into the end zone. There was a very, I would say, reasonable possibility for him to know that the first down is at the one-yard line, try to dive down at the one. If it's first and goal from the one that would then become, you would essentially get to the two-minute warning. That play happened with two minutes and like five seconds, and play ended maybe at two minutes, two seconds. So inevitably, that play goes to the two-minute warning. You have first and goal on the one-yard line with two minutes to play, and the Jags had one timeout remaining. If you kneel it on first down, the Jags call a timeout. The play takes five seconds. You're at 155 remaining. It's now second down. Clock is stopped. On second down, you kneel it again. That would take the clock down to about 110. I'm a, again a calculating for about a five-second play and then 40 seconds uh, for the play clock. You're now at a minute and 10. No timeouts for the Jags. Third down, you kneel it again. You can run it down to about 25 seconds. Call a timeout. They had, I think they had two, if not three, at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. The Ravens can call a timeout. It's now fourth down from whatever it is, the three-yard line at that point. There's 25 seconds left. You bring out Justin Tucker. He kicks a field goal, takes another few seconds off. You have a lead. The Jags have no timeouts. It's only a two-point lead. I get it. But there's 20 seconds left. That's a squib kick down the middle, and then the Jaguars have two plays, basically, and one of them might have to be the field goal itself. So, Tim, I turn to you. There's nobody else to turn to right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I turn Chase? to you. Am I am I speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I know the result now with a two-point lead versus you're up a touchdown, my goodness, just stop them with two minutes, uh, prevent them from scoring a touchdown with two minutes, and you win the game anyway. Or would you rather be up to be kicking off with 20 seconds remaining in the game and the Jaguars having no timeouts? I'm not going to sit on the fence, but this is one of the harder questions you've ever asked me on Pod Like a Raven. Um, I do think that, you know, hindsight's 2020. I definitely think we're not talking about this at all if the Ravens just hold this out. I think that your analysis of the one yard line thing is very interesting too because i don't think it's as much of a certainty to fall down at the one especially with some of the other and again something i want to talk about in a bit ridiculous spotting of the football that the this crew was doing uh in this game i don't know how easy it is in the middle of a play to fall down right at the one uh and have that awareness um if it's at like the three or four maybe this changes this conversation you know, these guys are whatever. You could do the whole argument. These guys are paid millions of dollars to do this. What have you? Fine, I get it, and I'm willing to accept that and just take the loss on that point. I think if the field goal does not put you up by one score whatsoever, I think you still have to take the touchdown. 
I think you have to rely on your defense, the, the, the thing that's supposed to be the strength of this team, and make them or tell them you have to get a stop here. Rather than, and we've seen it before, although not in a while, God forbid Tucker misses a chip shot and the team is absolutely screwed. Now, you bet on him not doing it. It's been like 89 or something within, within 30 yards, and they keep talking about that. Uh, and, I, you know, we don't have to really talk about it. I definitely thought he was going to make that 67-yarder and good on the camera crew for fooling us with the angle. I thought he, I thought he had it, uh, and that, that just sucked. Um, and you can't blame him, obviously. But all of that combined, I tend to slightly lean, like, my right cheek and left cheek over to the side of the fence that says take the touchdown with two minutes left rather Love than go, it. you know, straight down the crack, for lack of a better term. Um, but I, I can't argue with somebody that's on the other side. I just say, I simply can't because, and part of it is knowing this 20 seconds with no timeouts for, for Trevor Lawrence is much different than two minutes. And I think they had, I think they had one or two at the time. Maybe, I don't know if it was all three. It might've been all three. Um, and the two minute warning. Based on what we've seen now, I think maybe maybe you do take the points. And I think there's a conversation to be had. Trevor Lawrence does this against another team, and we play them next week. Do you just take the, the field goal and the limited amount of time because you saw that maybe he's that dude? But, in, but you know, rewinding back to Sunday, maybe you don't really realize that, even though he had made some plays already that day. You know, again, I think to, to give the Jaguars a bit of credit, this was kind of his coming out party. If it's Mahomes, do you, do you take the points? Obviously, you shouldn't because of the whole 13 seconds thing in the playoffs. If it's Allen, do you do that? Maybe the Lawrence thing played a factor in that where Harbaugh's going, look, I want him to go down and score a touchdown. That is way harder to do than kick a field goal uh, with this limited amount of time. So all that being said, I tend to agree with the decision to score the touchdown, but I'm not going to sit here and fight tooth and nail if somebody wants to tell me otherwise. Knowing the Ravens this season, had yeah. they done that exact scenario and kicked a field goal, they would have had like a 30-yard pass, be a pass interference or something yeah. like that, and 100%. then they would have kicked a field goal anyway. And that would have been a fun episode <laughs> to discuss how quickly Harbaugh was getting fired before the season was over. But anyway, just wanted to bring it up uh, as kind of a fun but not-so-fun, uh, you know, what what could what should they have done? What could they have done in that scenario? At the end of the day... Ravens, still 7-4, and four, still an easy stretch, and we knew this team in Jacksonville was feistier than their record. We knew they had all these one-score losses. We knew they'd been in close games. I thought the last mistake was going to give the Ravens the win. It almost happened. They tried, but it didn't, and the Jags put together a nice final drive. And then, oh boy, with the two-point conversion attempt, just because the Ravens have failed at that, I guess they succeeded in this game, but in that scenario, down one, going for two to try to win a game, the Ravens have, have had a couple of failings with that uh, in the not-too-distant past. It was tough to take, tough to swallow, uh, and it leads to a one-point loss for a team still in first place with a nice stretch to go. Um, but boy, they have lost tough games uh, throughout the season. Tim, any more on this game before we turn to the random Raven? Yeah, a couple more things. Um, you know, speaking on Monday, and I mentioned it before, but uh, John Harbaugh got a load of questions from the reporters about, you know, this continuing problem 
with time management and the play clock and, and getting up to the line with five seconds left and how are you guys going to fix it? You know, I mentioned the Greg Roman thing of not calling plays fast enough. That is basically your job, you heathen, um, which is just a whole nother conversation. But Harbaugh going, don't worry, we'll fix it. They won't. Uh, just I'm just prepping Ravens fans now. This has been the past decade of this team of just trying, just playing too slow. Greg Roman as well also had the same issue when he was with San Francisco, playing too slow, not getting the playoff, overcomplicating things. It's not going to change. So don't don't listen to Harbaugh because he's lying to you about that. I'm, I'm just it's just is what it is, and I apologize for that. The other thing too is just another sad indictment. An example, I, I guess I should say more, that this team just wilts when there is one piece of adversity. And I keep mentioning it a little bit, but the inexcusable fourth down, the Ravens force a fourth down, everything looks hunky-dory and fine. And then all of a sudden, the, the crew, without a challenge, without a announcement of, of a replay, with, with, with nothing, with nothing. The play is over, and it's, it's for, uh, excuse me, Jaguars to punt. All of a sudden, they're just like, oh, no, wait a minute. It was a first down. There's no like, oh, we've decided to redo it. There was no announcement. Andrew Catalan, who, by God, uh, you know, the, the less said about him, the better calling games. There's nothing from him and the CBS crew at all. And all of a sudden, it's just, oh, yeah, no, it's actually a first down for them instead. When it was marked fourth, the chains were at fourth down, what have you. It was complete and utter BS, and Ravens fans have every right to be upset about it. It's not the reason they lost the game. It's not the ref's fault. We all know this. But that was the turning point in this game. The Jaguars go down and get points off of that, and then from there, everything completely falls apart because it's, oh, my God, woe is me. This one thing happened to us. Whatever are we going to do? That's the thing that just drives me insane about this team the most of, like, and it was the same thing with the 14-2 and two team. It's been the same under this entire regime, this quote-unquote Lamar era, for lack of a better term. 14-2 and two is great because you're stomping teams and you're moving the ball well and there's no issues. And then the Titans come to town and there's a little bit of an issue and they score first. And oh God, what's going to happen? And, and, and panic, 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 panic! It just sets in amongst the entire ranks from, from head coach to long snapper to special teams guy, to dude, you know, warming up the helmets, whatever. And this is the National Football League. Everything is not going to go your way all of the time. You know, it's not the Lego movie where everything is awesome. Like, th this isn't that. And one bump in the road, one, just for more nerdy, you know, references, one red shell in Mario Kart, one little thing, and this team completely runs off the road. And... I don't know if it's fixable, which is the thing that, again, out of all the negatives we've talked about, secondary not playing well, the, the, the play clock stuff, the offense just sputtering, that right there in the biggest moments is going to be the thing that derails this team and, and for me is the reason that they are not walking home with a Lombardi anytime soon. Marlon Humphrey said the team was cursed in respects to this, and that was like two years ago. So that that hasn't changed, and it's happened over and over and over again. So maybe he was right. Maybe Tim is right. This team. This team, man. Uh, I have one more thing, because this reminded me of one last bit of bumming analysis. It is 28-27 Jacksonville. 
everybody's crying. There's 14 seconds left. And then I would say, what, 70% of Ravens fans then went, well, you know, <laughs> we do have Justin Tucker. 14 seconds. Not crazy. Then the Jaguars do the most Jaguars thing of all time, and they botch the kickoff. They're trying to take seconds off the clock by doing the little kick down the middle as opposed to just into the end zone. And Pat Ricard returns it to the Baltimore 39 with 14, uh, with now with 10 seconds left. The Ravens have two timeouts at this point, I believe. They still have two timeouts remaining. And all of a sudden, it's still a ballgame. And you know what the play has to be here. You need a, a pass that's thrown quickly that a play... We've seen, we've seen it. It's been viewed everywhere in the NFL circles. It's Chiefs-Bills from the playoffs last season. You need something, especially if you have timeouts, which typically that's not the case in these situations where you only have one or two downs left in very few seconds. You have timeouts. You need something quick to the seam. It's like, it's Lamar's favorite throw. <laughs> it's the perfect situation. The one that he always throws. Yeah, Just right. hit Andrews eight yards downfield, have him catch it, run a little bit, and fall down and call a timeout. You maybe only take three, four seconds off the ten seconds, and you can do it again. Or you can throw something to the sidelines and have a legitimate chance at a field goal. So what do the Ravens do? And this is on Lamar. I'm going to make it on Lamar. There's ten seconds left. And a first snap... Hold, 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 scan. And he throws a dump a dump off to Josh Oliver, who started the play blocking, by the way. Wasn't even a receiver downfield. You have to throw it. You can't wait. Even though it, you know, even though we got whatever it was, 15, 12, 12 yards on that play. 12 yards is not worth the eight seconds that it took. You gotta throw it. You gotta find something. Or just throw it out of bounds. It was. They gave Justin Tucker a chance at a 67-yard field goal, even though they mismanaged even that situation, where there was a legitimate chance for a 10- to 15-yard gain with a few seconds off the clock. You call timeout, you try to get another 5 or 10, and guess what? If it was a 62-yard field goal, Justin Tucker drills it, and you're winning this game 30-28. to But because you made him kick another NFL record outdoors... He ends up five, I would say five yards short, realistically, on that kick. That looked so sweet, as Tim mentioned, off the foot. Great camera angle. Great camera (laughs) angle on it. I mean, yeah, just just crushing our dreams. Gosh. Even that mismanaged from a team that seems to, again, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And that's it for this game. I'm moving on from this game. It's time for the Random Raven. I'm up this week, and it's just Tim to have to guess this. So I did make it, uh, I would say, slightly less random than some of our our other names. But I think you're going to be okay. But let's see. Let's see how it goes. So this random raven was drafted by the team in the second round of the 2014 draft out of Florida State. He played three seasons with the Ravens playing in 43 games and starting 24. His best season came in 2016, when he had 31 tackles, 5 sacks, an interception, 3 pass deflections, and a forced fumble. In 2017, the Ravens traded this player to the Philadelphia Eagles for a third-round pick, which they used on Chris Wormley. 
This random Raven ended up winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017 and secured a four-year, $48 million contract with the Eagles in the middle of that 2017 season, although he would only play another two years with the team. He finished his career in 2020 with the Broncos and Jaguars. And I'm stopping right there, Tim. I'm not giving the number. I'm not giving the position. Uh, no, I, I got it. I got okay. it. But I, I, this guy being older than Chris Wormley boggles my mind. Like that, that, that's screwy to me. This is a, this is a guy. I'll give a bonus clue for the listeners, and maybe this is only helps me because I'm just a draft nerd who watches almost the entire thing and carves out the weekend and tells the girlfriend like, hey. Uh, I'm going to be sitting on my couch watching college players be selected into the National Football League and something that shouldn't even be televised for the entirety of the weekend. Um, this is another one of those interior lineman type guys on, uh, you know, you'll know what side of the ball if you listen to the clues, that you're like, oh, the Ravens got this guy? He was a beast. This is going to be great. And and he, you know, he was he was decent. He was, he was fine. Pretty, he was pretty good. He was yeah, fine. This is very good random Raven. Very good. All right, we're going to skip – Harbaugh quotes this week, uh, in part because it's, again, there's no Jace, and in part because they were just going to be more annoying this week yeah. uh, based on the result and what Harbaugh had to had to talk about. So we're skipping that this week. It will return next week uh, when we have a three-man booth. So we're going to turn to the NFL section. We're going to do saddest team of the week. Tim, you want me to go first, or, or, or you want to go first here? Um... I'm looking through the scores again because, you know, as we mentioned, Antonio puts together a nice run sheet, and Jason and I kind of fill in our notes off of that. And I got nothing under this because uh, you nailed it. So I'm going to give you the credit here. Why don't you go with the, the team of the week, and I'll bounce off of you. For the listener who hasn't tuned in, I don't know, in the last month or so, sometimes in the NFL section we recap some of the more fun games or talking points or what have you. Uh, the last few weeks, we've tried saddest team of the week, uh, where we talk about which team is in essentially the worst situation uh, at, at that given time in the season. This week, the saddest team of the week is the Ravens fan base, the the flock, the team that is Ravens flock. And I, I'm glad that I held some of this in, in the Ravens Jaguars seg- segment, because I want to dedicate it to the Ravens fans here. The Ravens are a terrible 7-4. and four. They should have won all four of the games that they lost. And of the seven wins, how many were complete football games? Just complete wins from start to finish. The Jets' blowout in week one didn't really happen until late. They, the offense for the Ravens looked sloppy and out of sync for the first half of that game. The Pats game, maybe? They won by 11, but really that was one that was back and forth. Mac Jones was playing the best he's played for the entire season in that game, and then the Ravens were able to pull away a little bit late. The Bucks game, you say? Don't you remember the the Greg Roman Einstein philosophy of we're going to soften up the defense with passes early and then turn to the run game? That was a horrible first half for the Ravens, and then they poured it on in the second half. I think maybe just the Saints game, where they pretty much led from start to finish, controlled the game, and even in that one, had one of the most frustrating touchdowns given up I've ever seen, where two different Ravens decided not to push a dude out of bounds to prevent a touchdown. 
This team has legitimate Super Bowl talent, has a head coach who has been there, done that. He's one of the more experienced coaches in the National Football League, has a ring, has been to the playoffs half a dozen times, their first place in their division, and they've produced zero moments of joy for this fan base. 11 games into the season. Only frustration. Ravens Flock is the saddest team of the week. I'd love to see a game. I'd love to see a game that the offense and the defense play well for 50 minutes. They're human beings, so I don't expect 60 minutes of perfection on both sides of the ball. Give me more than three quarters of clean, well-executed football on both sides of the ball. You're going to win games by 30 points if you're able to do that. Um, And they haven't done it yet. And I'm frustrated, Tim. I'm frustrated. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I think I think they're I think they're the saddest team of the week for me. One, because we you know this is a Ravens show and we're obviously completely biased. And yeah, two, why not double down? Right, right. <laughs> and two, because it's if you're actually watching, you know what this team is, and you can listen to all the you know national media, and you can listen to what have you like. I don't know, people that are just kind of sometimes tune into the Ravens, what have you. Oh, seven and four, another solid season for the Ravens. They're doing really well, aren't they? And you just want to scream from the rooftops like, no, 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 this team is bad. And, you know, get prepared now because we're all going to work ourselves up into a tizzy in a wild card game that we'll inevitably lose after having like a 17 point lead in the fourth quarter. Like, it's just going to happen. And we're not, we're none of us are ready for it. Because we're all going to get ourselves hyped up because this is what we do. But deep down in our heart of hearts, we know that we are just sad. I, that, that might just mean more, you know, just in general. Uh, but I'm going to add two more teams here for you uh, I, that I do think are, are sad. Um, I could say the Los Angeles Rams, but I think they're out of contention because they just won a Super Bowl. I think this is still, despite the, and we've talked about this, the inevitability of when you say F them picks, I'm so cool. How that basically just means that you're going to be a terrible team for, for, I don't know, the next five, six years, what have you, you got your super bowl. So I can't really put them in this, uh, in this team or in this category, the new Orleans saints are, are in there for me. And these are just nominees to the Ravens, by the way, I'm, I'm still going with the Ravens like Antonio, but the new Orleans saints are still just starting Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston, who would at least be fun. Like, it, 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 would be, it would be wild, but it would be fun. There's a new movie apparently coming out that just got released today called Cocaine Bear, and it's inspired by the true events of a story, I'm assuming, about a bear on cocaine. That's kind of Jameis Winston experience. Like, just, you don't know what's coming, but it's going to be awesome. Uh, maybe not awesome. Bears on cocaine, probably not great. But it's going to be something crazy. Instead, you're just doing the Andy Dalton thing, and they're just losing games again. 13-0 uh, to the 49ers this weekend. Can't even put up points against this 49ers team who everybody and their brother is on, and I like them, but that scares me. The other saddest team of the week, to transition to our preview, I guess, spoilers, is the 3-8. and eight. I'm just making sure I have this right. Yes, 3-8 and eight, Denver Broncos. And Antonio is going to lay out why for you in a minute uh, for some of the stats here. And I, and, I will, and I will let him do that. I'm not going to steal his thunder there. I will just say this. They traded 
everything for Russell Wilson, including multiple first-round picks. I should say the part of the Saints as well. The Saints do not have a first-round pick either, trading up for Chris Olave. Chris Olave looks great, but no reinforcements coming. The Denver Broncos are 3-8, and eight, meaning that they're going to have, as of right now, I believe a top-five draft pick. For Russell Wilson, they have Russell Wilson signed through 2028 when he is 40 years old. Now, now you're saying, oh, Tim... You can get out of the, these contracts earlier. These are NFL contracts. Well, I bring you to spot track. They cannot get rid of Russell Wilson until 2026. Their potential out is 2026. So you have them under for this season and then the next season and then two seasons after that. So his 30, age 34, age 35, age 36, and age 37 contract or years in the National Football League. And, oh, by the way... You don't have first-round picks for any of those years. And if you decide to move on from Russell Wilson in 2026, after the 2025 season when he is 37 years old, and by all accounts, still effing terrible based on what we've seen this season, oh, don't worry, it comes with a $31 million cap hit on your salary cap. Where basically you're going to pay $31 million against the salary cap to not have Russell Wilson age 38 at that point. As your starting quarterback, the Denver Broncos. Look, the Ravens are still the saddest team of the week because this is Pod Like a Raven and on your favorite podcast platform. Please like and subscribe. The Denver Broncos are a close second. So it yeah, should be a hell of a matchup this week, guys. Fantastic submissions there from Tim. Uh, quickly on the Saints. 49ers were eight and a half point favorites in this game. And the, they covered by scoring 13 points. 13 nothing with an eight-and-a-half-point spread, is one of the more hysterical covers that I've seen uh, in some time. As for the Broncos, two weeks ago, I had Broncos as the saddest team of the week because of this Russell Wilson contract, and they had just scored ten points against the Tennessee Titans. Two weeks later, Tim brings them up as the saddest team uh, of the week. They just scored ten points against the Carolina Panthers. It is one of the worst offenses, historically, that we have ever seen. <laughs> and that is paired with this ridiculous trade of 10,000 picks, all this money for a quarterback who is very clearly on the decline. And who everybody hates, by the way. <laughs> and who everybody hates. Not liked by anybody. Tim, I have no idea. I have no idea how many years he's going to end up being on this team. There's stories about how he might be out after this season just because of how bad the like corporate culture is with this team and with this franchise there's stories where he's gonna have to stick around for two three years i don't see it getting better is it possible an off season cools down some of the broncos country let's ride and some of the teammates hating him some of the teammates a lot of the teammates hating him and maybe there's zero expectations for this team when they go into next season and everything's a bit, you know, calmer out of Denver. And then, oh, maybe the team can go 10-7 and seven or something like that. They're not just Super Bowl favorites. But I don't see it. I don't see it. Because the offense has gotten... It started bad. It continued bad. And it's gotten worse. We're going to use this. We're going to turn now into the Ravens-Broncos preview. Because let's talk Bron- Broncos offense. They have the lowest points per game since the year 2000. The Cleveland Browns, uh, at the moment, have a lower number from their 2000 offense, 
which if you remember, if you're a Ravens fan, that's about Tim and I's age. You were watching the Cleveland Browns at least Oof. twice a year Oof. in the year, you know, in those early nine, late nineties, early two thousands. They were like essentially an expansion offense at that point. They were a disaster. Um, they did not have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, multi all pro, whatever Pro Bowl quarterback at the helm. It's very, very bad. They essentially got, I'm gonna say, blown out by the Carolina Panthers. The final score was 23 to 10. Broncos didn't score a touchdown until late in the fourth quarter. This was a 23 to three game against the Carolina Panthers. Their O-line is down three starters. Jerry Judy's been out for weeks. Uh, Some other playmakers are out. Wilson has the lowest completion percentage by far of his entire career. I think he's at 58%. He'd never been below 60. I think 63 was maybe his lowest number before that. His QBR is 32, which is almost half of his previous low. His previous low QBR was 57 Typically, his was in the 60s or higher. His QBR this season is 32. That's QB rating, for those of you who who haven't heard QBR. It's one of these cool, newfangled statistics to rate a quarterback's performance. 32 is not good. It's horrendous. And for a guy who has been so good, it is incredible how quickly this has just fallen off of a cliff from one year to the next Tim, I think the Raven, the Ravens, sorry, the Broncos offense can put up exactly 10 points in this game. I don't view them doing more than that. And that's why I'm going to tease it now and share it again. This stupid Ravens team is going to cover eight and a half points only because the Broncos cannot score. I have them I, at 10 points. I don't know how they score more than that. What do you think? Well, I, I won't spoil my pick because my pick is mainly based on the other side of the ball, which we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think that the the Broncos offense, coming into the year, I had the Broncos as a team that I kept saying were going to be okay. And then they, oh, they finally got a quarterback. Now it's Russ. He's a, you know, he's a bit older, but he's still Russell Wilson. Two seasons ago, he, he was leading the charge for MVP. And then all, and then you just come to find out he leaves Seattle And everybody dumps on him. Oh, thank God this guy is gone. And then, you know, it's all obviously happened uh, in Denver. It's all been well documented. His nose guard was screaming at him on the sidelines last uh, on Sunday. And then afterwards, Russell came out and said, oh, I like that. That's a good energy. And meanwhile, they're like, no. Didn't look like he liked it No, at the time. He shouldn't have liked it. it was finally the first time on the sidelines he's not doing, like, if you didn't know, in week one, he's he's trying to G up the Broncos' sideline by saying, make sure you yell, run or pass, so the defense knows. These guys are professional football players. You don't have to go run or pass from the sidelines for the defense. Anyway, in terms of the Ravens um, attacking this this offensive unit i think this is very much a get right game look melvin gordon's not there anymore because he was pretty much i'm they say because he was fumbling i think because he kept blasting future uh in in the locker room and if you don't know future um has a kid with ciara who is now russell wilson's uh wife he apparently was blasting future in the locker room and he refused to not play it which is hilarious Melvin Gordon gets cut. Javante Williams torn ACL. Jerry Judy, I believe, is still out. A number of injuries. So this is a get-right game for the Ravens' defense, I think. And this is the perfect opponent to do it against. What I'm looking for, again, is that pass rush to continue to dominate in the way that they have this season. And why? 
It's one, because the secondary does make me a little bit nervous. But two, Russell Wilson, if you haven't watched him this season, and lucky you, is not the scrambling, make plays with his feet type of quarterback. He's not that anymore. He wants to be a pocket passer, and frankly, he's not very good at it. So get him off his spot, continue to put pressure in his face, and guys like Calais Campbell, 6'8", Justin Matabike, constantly getting pressure right up the gut. Get into Russell Wilson right up the center because Russell Wilson, as you don't know, obviously, is a smaller quarterback. He struggles to see over his offensive linemen. And then you have 6'8", Calais Campbell, with his hands up trying to make plays. Russell Wilson's really going to struggle there. I'm looking at the defensive line to win this game for the Baltimore Ravens. I think it's a legitimate opportunity that the Ravens' defense scores more points than the Broncos' offense in this game. And I know I sound, this is like, Antonio, what you just spent 45 minutes crying about this Ravens team. That's how bad the Broncos' offense has been. I still believe in this Ravens' defense over a 60-minute game at home. Tip passes are going to turn into interceptions. Four or five sacks are going to happen. This game is in December, so in theory, Marcus Williams could be back for this game. Uh, the famous Harbaugh line was he'll be back sometime in December. He's in the 21, he's off IR in the 21 day uh, practice period. He probably will not play. He's probably still a game away. But this would be a, a, a tasty matchup for him to jump back into. If he does play, he will have an interception in this ballgame. Could this be a situation that the Ravens defense gets seven points and the Broncos get six? Yeah, I think it's possible. And that's why I'm going to end up picking the Ravens minus eight and a half. Ravens offense against the Broncos defense, Tim. Broncos defense, pretty good. However, very good. they have tailed off a little bit of late. They've given up 22 and 23 against the Raiders and the Panthers. Two very much losing NFL football teams. They've they traded away Bradley Chubb, so it's not quite the same unit uh, as it was to start the year. <sighs> the Panthers ran the ball 46 times against the Broncos for 185 yards. The Broncos are third against the pass. They are 19th against the run. That's why the Panthers ran it 46 times. Can the Ravens run it 45 times? Can we just simplify this while we don't have good receivers and just try, force it, force the run for the first half 20 times, even if it's not working, and then keep running it. And I think if you can get to 40 carries, you get the 200 rushing yards, it almost always guarantees a Ravens victory. I, I, Tim, I'm smelling like a 20 to 10 game here. Um, mostly field goals, one touchdown by the defense, one touchdown by the offense, and that's how you get to 20 to 10. Can they put up? Can the Ravens put up 14 points, 13 points offensively, uh, and get something, you know, something fun defensively to get to 20? And that'll probably put the game away with this Broncos offense. No, this game's gonna be. <laughs> 17-10. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's why, and I'll say I'm picking Broncos plus eight and a half, because, the Raven, again, the Ravens and the way they crumble in games should not be favored by more than four points, five points in any in any given game. Uh, and, I've just, yeah. and if I see that line, like, you know, gambling is now legal in the state of Maryland and mobile gambling. I, I went on FanDuel and had just a couple, you know, nothing big. Of course, went all in on the Ravens because it's all this like, oh, welcome to Maryland. Get free bets if you do the Ravens stuff. They screwed me on all those. And 
only won the Eagles pretty much, and that was pretty much it for my bet. So that was terrible. Uh, this gambling thing, really hard. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think this offensive unit is really going to struggle. I think you make a very good point about the defense for the Broncos, which was historically good, tailing off a bit, but I still think they are an elite defensive unit. I think Patrick Sertan, whoever he is covering – um, is going to be shut down, and that's probably DeMarcus. Mark Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why would they put him on a wide receiver? They're not going to put him on Demarcus <laughs> Robinson because that's just like a, it's. It's just like not <sighs> using your resources the right way, basically. Because Patrick Sertan, already one of the best corners in the National Football League in year two, uh, takes after his father. Uh, I. I think the other thing that worries me, and I think you make a good point about the run defense. I think that that is, that is kind of where you have to expose the Denver Broncos. But at the same time. The Panthers almost beat that one to death to the point where they know that that's what the Ravens are going to do, so they're going to focus on that especially. And then I think it's one of those where they have the talent on the defensive side of the football to el- eliminate kind of strong but neutralize the the Ravens rushing unit to a point where this offense is just completely stagnant. So I- I'm looking at this game as as a Ravens fan, like most of the games this season, but, but very, very – you know, amplified in this Denver game of maybe watch red zone when we're on offense. And then when we're on defense, flip back over to the, to the Ravens game. Cause it's going to be fun to watch this defensive unit get after uh, old, old Broncos country. Let's ride. The game is at home, which should help. Would love to see the offense without the noise of a road stadium getting out of the huddle, you know, with 10 to 12, dare I say 15 seconds. From the beginning of the game, by the way. Not not a, oh crap, we need to start calling plays faster, Greg. Like, let's do that from the jump here. Why not? I have it at 20 to 10. Tim has it at about 17 to 10. For you sharps out there, the over-under is 38 and a half. I think Tim and I would both... Highly suggest an under in this situation. I think it could be 10 points to the under, 38 and a half. So that's where, that's where we stand on that. Let's turn to the, to the gambling section now officially. Um, one in three last week for yours, truly. Uh, I lost our community bet. We, we went all in on, uh, it rarely happens on Pod Like a Raven, where all three of us pick the same game and pick it in the same direction. We all took... Uh, Titans plus one and a half uh, at home against the Bengals. Of course, we all lost. Of course, the Bengals keep pace in the AFC North. And we all knew it. We all said it on the episode. So I lost that one and I lost a few others. One and three on the week. Still up for the year. 21 and 17 on the season. This week, I'm taking the Ravens minus eight and a half. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Russell Wilson stinks. The Ravens win by double digits. They don't look good on offense. We come back here saying the Ravens should have won by 40 and they won by 10. And the Ravens somehow cover at home. Other two selections. And and I'm not going to... I don't know if Tim's going to pick them, but I have Tim's picks written down. And it's very funny because we've apparently decided not to go with the same picks anymore after that Titans game. And we have some some head-on collisions with some other picks. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs, minus two and a half, at Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right, Bengals. I don't believe in you. Yes, you've won some games. You look good. Everybody loves you. Good luck against the 9-2 and two Cincinnati Chiefs that have won, I think, five straight, if not more than that. Kansas City Chiefs. You said Cincinnati Chiefs, which is horrifying. Oh, boy. The Cincinnati <laughs> Chiefs. 
I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs minus two and a half. Everybody loves Cincinnati. They're so hot right now. This is a revenge game for the Kansas City Chiefs. I get this pick at less than a field goal? Yes, please. Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, whatever you want to call them. They win this game by 10. We cover this comfortably. Cincinnati finally loses a football game to give the Ravens a little bit of breathing room in the AFC North. I think Kansas City has had this game circled on their calendars all year, and they take a big lead, and they don't let it slip away this time. I love that pick. And then I'm taking the Giants, plus one and a half against the D.C. Commies. Giants at home with a better record? Home dog with a better record? Giants coming off of extra rest playing on Thanksgiving? Yes, please. I have watched enough of this, and I know we got a lot of commies listeners on here. I'm going to say it anyway. I have seen enough dumb, lucky bounces go DC's way that something has to even out. I watched in a game that they ended up losing against the Vikings, one of the stupidest throws Taylor Heineke has ever made, a Hail Mary into triple coverage early in the game, where the ref set the perfect pick to remove a defender to let a a commie receiver catch it and score. I watched this game that DC played against Atlanta, where the Falcons had the ball second down on like the four-yard line late in the game down six, should have scored a touchdown, and a ball gets tipped, and of course it goes directly to a DC player, not to an Atlanta player. I've had enough. Taylor Heineke stinks. He celebrates every lucky bounce that he gets as if he's just made the greatest play of his life. The Eagles game that they won. He has the slide down penalty that's not really a penalty. The Eagles had a play where they threw like a 40-yard completion that the receiver fell down, then got up, then fumbled, and the ball bounced right to the, the commies. That happened like eight times in that game. This team stinks. I hate that they're 7-5. and five. They're not that good. They're so scrappy, whatever. Eventually, this stuff has to even out. And the Giants, with Brian Dayball at the helm, getting one and a half points at home with a better record. Yes, please. Giants plus one and a half. Yeah, I don't hate it. I actually put a bunch of bets in here, and, and only a couple of them are official, but I just want to mention two. And uh, Antonio's on the other side of two of those, kind of. I'm not, I'm not recommending, but maybe. Um, I love the Cincy point, the Cincy point of everybody's on them right now. They're so hot right now, where it's just like, oh, this is where they were at last season. Remember where they were at last season? Do you also remember that Kansas City blew a game to Cincy and is going to be pissed? That they did, and they're going to come out with the vengeance. Kansas City's the best team in football right now, um, and it, I don't know if it's close, uh, even with everything Philly is doing. Um, so I don't hate it. I will say I'm not recommending Cincy. I just like the plus two and a half for a team that is rolling right now, and it's an interesting thing. I, I would advise staying away. Same thing with the Giants uh, versus the Commies, although I did have in this sheet here Commanders. And a lot of that is only because I think the Giants – stink like I think the Giants had their moment and these are two two ships kind of crossing paths at different moments in their trajectory where it's the 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 commies are on this wave right now and I could I could totally see Antonio's point where they're going to crash into the rocks I think they're not quite there yet and they're still on the ascendancy well the Giants 
Great story to start the year. Bye comes, and they've kind of just fallen off. So it's two teams going in different directions. And for that, I'm just taking the, the commanders to continue to get it done against the, the Giants team that is kind of out. But, but again, not official picks there. Let me run through my official ones, then I'll give out some other just quick recommendations and why I think I like them. Um, I already said it. Broncos plus 8.5. The Ravens offense is terrible, and it's going to be 9-6. So Ravens win plus 8.5. Uh, that, that's worked for me so far, betting <laughs> – the Ravens to win but not cover. It seems to happen all the time. Um, the Vikings are only minus three at home to the Jets. Now, Jets, great story. Zach Wilson, um, you know, uh, probably the second most hated quarterback by his own team outside of Russell Wilson, uh, according to everything that we've seen. And then Mike White comes in. Mike White slings it, and the Jets get a big win over over. Trevor Simeon and the Chicago Bears. And now they are only a three-point underdog away from home to the 9-2 and two Minnesota Vikings. Now, I hear you. Well, the Vikings are frauds. Everybody's saying the Vikings are frauds. The Vikings are frauds. Did you hear the Vikings are frauds? Yeah, I did. And I tend to agree with it a little bit. I don't think the Vikings are Super Bowl contenders. But the Vikings are way better than the New York Jets. Sorry. I know the Jets have talent, but Mike White is Mike White. Like, guys, I know we're riding the wave here, but that line is going to go up. Take Vikings minus three right now. I know Sauce Gardner's great. Justin Jefferson is better. He is going to dominate that matchup. Now, maybe not dominate, but he is going to beat, win that matchup enough for Kirk Cousins and the boys to get it done. Uh, I love Vikings minus three, especially at home against the New York Jets. That I love this. Tim, I love this pick. This yeah. has got like the one week bounce of a backup quarterback. Right. Written right. all over it. And then Mike White just all of a sudden just flames out. He did it last year too, where he had the one game in prime time. Everybody <laughs> lose their minds. Then he wasn't the same ever again. Like it's a cool story. He's better than, you know, he's better than, um, Zach, or Justin, I almost said Justin Fields better than Zach Wilson, obviously, but I, I just don't see the minus three. And my other pick, too, I'm back on the Titans. I don't know why. I, when we get to Sunday, I might not bet this. But Titans plus five and a half away to the Eagles. This is just a game where I think the Eagles win. But Vrabel is Vrabel is Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He mucks it up. He makes it incredibly difficult for an Eagles defense who hasn't been able to really stop the run uh, since, uh, since uh, Jordan Davis. Should have been a Raven. Uh, was uh, got hurt. Jordan Davis might come back soon. I think this is a Derrick Henry feast. This is a Vrabel. Let's muck it up and make it 13-10 and try and steal a victory. Even if they don't, I think they lose by less than five and a half. So th those are my official picks. A couple quick ones real quick. We, we talked about the Bengals. We talked about the Commanders. Packers are only minus two and a half in Chicago. If Aaron Rodgers plays, he owns the Chicago Bears. I know he's not that great anymore. Take that. It's a three points for a team that he has demolished. See if he plays. Maybe take it with the cash-out option, whatever, what have you. And then the bet for the Shield, Texans plus seven at home to the Browns. The Texans stink, but guess what? Deshaun Watson is coming back his first game in two years in Houston against his old team that he basically just told to screw off. That's narrative, narrative, narrative if I've ever seen it. Put a small one on the Texans plus seven, and, and I think they beat their former quarterback at home. A few extra penalties, yeah. A few extra something. holdings called yeah. against the Browns. There, 100%. maybe a maybe a late hit on, yep. on Watson not called. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, 
Tim, I, I didn't have it, but I'm stealing it. I, I'm taking your Vikings. I just want to let the listener know. Officially adding it to the card. Hey! Vikings minus three. It's another four-pick week for me. And we're going to go 4-0. And we're going to come back next week. Um, so, yeah, I love that Vikings minus three. You're right. All right, last thing to do now is go over the Random Raven one more time. So I'm going to read the clues to Tim and you all out there. This Random Raven was drafted by the team in the second round of the 2014 NFL Draft out of Florida State. He played three seasons with the Ravens, playing in 43 games and starting 24. His best season came in 2016, when he had 31 tackles, five sacks, an interception, three pass deflections, and a forced fumble. In 2017, this Ravens player was uh, the Ravens traded this player to the Philadelphia Eagles for a third-round pick which they then used on Chris Wormley, who now plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, whatever. This random Raven ended up winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017 and secured a four-year, $48 million contract with the Eagles in the middle of the 2017 season, although he would only play another two seasons with the team. He finished his career in 2020 with the Broncos and Jaguars. A nice sort of bookend to the two games that the Ravens have just played. Tim, who is this random raven? I just want to say I did go into FanDuel. We're not sponsored, but hey, FanDuel, what's up? And did make my Vikings bet already for next I love week it. Before that I love moves. it. Have to. Another whole uh, a whole team. Jace isn't here, but the whole yeah. team is team on one Ryan? pick again. Yeah. <laughs> Which definitely means that this this stuff is going to be uh, terrible. Uh, yeah, this, this random raven is Timmy Jernigan. Timmy Jernigan. That is correct. One of the last adults to still go by Timmy. Uh, Timmy. It is Timmy Jernigan. Um, yeah, he was fine. He was a nice pick. We thought he was maybe going to be a five-time All-Pro. That didn't quite pan out. Uh, but he did have success. The Ravens, in most Ravens fashion ever, traded him as opposed to letting him go in free agency when they were probably not going to give him a big deal. Uh, the Eagles went ahead and did that for him. Um but he didn't end up I was looking through the contract stuff. It was four years, forty eight million. He didn't stick for four years, and I don't think he got very close to forty eight million. But still, another team giving a guy that big second contract that the Ravens have been so famous uh in refusing to do for players that they that they draft in the middle rounds especially. But yes, excellent job, Tim, by yourself. It is Timmy Jernigan. And that's gonna do it for us. Tim, any final thoughts here? Uh as the Ravens head home to face the Broncos. Ravens country, let's fly. Let's fly. Let's fly. For Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.